seen that movie, Courageous? This series is loosely, and I mean loosely, based on the movie. Not really based, but maybe inspired by, uh, because the characters we're going to be talking about over the course of the next five weeks are, are biblical characters, not movie characters. But I would, if it's been a while since you've seen the movie, I would encourage you to watch it again. We watched it for Bible study last week, and, and uh, one of the criticisms was, my wife was gone, by the way, that I didn't have the Kleenex out. Um, you know, there... I, there's hilarious parts in that movie, and there's really moving, sad parts in that movie. It's, it's really challenging and encouraging. And uh, was that not crazy what he just did there? I mean, would you do that? At the next scene, there's a couple police officers, and they're talking back and forth about whether either one would do what he just did. Now, you've, those of you who have seen the movie know why he, why he had such courage, because that cut off just before he opens the back door and his, his child is in a car seat in the back seat. So there was, there was an increased you know, um, want on his part to make sure that that pickup didn't get away. Um, but, but as we start this series, uh, I want to tell you, our world, our church, our families... Uh, need men and women of courage. Uh, who knows what the challenges are going to be in the future, but right now, today, currently, in your life and in mine, there are things that are before us that, that, that scare us, that, that we might be afraid of, and we need courage. And where does that courage come from? Um, we're going to find that out. It doesn't matter if you're married or single or divorced or an empty nester or retired. I believe whatever stage of life you're in, God has it before you to be a man or woman or kid of courage, of courage. Uh, As we studied the book of Daniel uh, a couple months ago, we saw some pretty courageous men, right? Men who stood in the face of death multiple times to go back on what they believed and what their faith told them to do, and they had extreme courage. Uh, I mean, the consequences for them, right? Burned to death in a fiery furnace. Face a den of lions. And how did they respond to that? They said, you know what? I don't care. 
my faith is in God, and, and he will do what he wants. And as we saw in the book of Daniel, God supernaturally saved them, and his name was honored. Um, Daniel was told that he could only pray to King Darius, and, and they said that if you bow to anybody else, uh, you'll be thrown into a den of lions. And what happened? Just like he normally did, he opened his windows on, on a morning or afternoon or whenever, whatever time of day it was, and he prayed. Not to King Darius. He bowed to, to God, Yahweh. And what happened? Thrown into the lion's den. And what happened? God closed the mouths of the lions, right? He was miraculously, supernaturally saved. So we conclude then, right, if we just have enough courage, God is always going to save us. No, that's not true. Uh, let me, maybe you've heard of this guy. He's another person in the Bible. You may know him. His name is Stephen. His story is found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. You might write that in your notes to read later. Stephen stood against false accusations with courage. And in the midst of those accusations, he spoke a history lesson about Abraham and God's promise. From Abraham to Jesus, he spoke. And it was a courageous thing that he did, right? And what happened? God supernaturally saved him, right? No, he was dragged out of town and he was killed with rocks. They threw rocks at him until he was dead. Courageous faith? Yes. God supernaturally save him? No, it wasn't his purpose in that moment in time. So it really doesn't, didn't matter to Stephen. Stephen remained courageously faithful. God is calling us to be men and women of courage in the, faces of, in the face of challenges to our faith. Now, our culture would say that courage is not the absence of fear, that, that you can have courage and be afraid. And while I think that is true, I don't think that's the only option. Because here's what the Bible says in Joshua 1.9. It's going to be up on the screen. Have I not commanded you, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's true for us too. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you experience, no matter what you're experiencing today, he is with you. And you can have courage in the midst of that. And you don't need to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Now, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to be in the first book of the Bible this morning, Genesis chapter 11. And I'm going to read verse 31. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 11 for quite a while. So if you didn't bring a Bible, grab one from underneath the seat in front of you, hopefully. Um, Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 31, this is what it says. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Cana. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now it sounds like um, Terah had a little ADD, right? They were headed, they had a goal, they were moving they were on their way, and for whatever reason, they didn't quite get there. They stopped and they settled in Haran. And there's several reasons that commentators believe that they did that. Now, later on in the book of Genesis, we read that Abraham, who's Abram, renamed to Abraham, 
um, wasn't afraid to go ahead and, and do what the Lord was asked, asked him to do. And we're going to look at that towards the end. He was a courageous man. Because, and number one in your notes this morning is this, the courageous follow God's promises into the unknown. The courageous follow God's promises into the unknown. There's lots of unknown, right? And in verse 12, Abram was told by the Lord to go, and that's what he did. But first, I want us to look at fear. Fear says this. Stick to the status quo. Uh, this is one of the messages, I think, that we get from, from fear. It's stick to the status quo. Don't, you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to be in danger. So just, just kind of don't rock the boat, right? Don't, don't set the chairs up in the church differently. I'm sorry, I just had to say that. Don't, you know, don't put people in an uncomfortable position. Fear, fear does that. Um, it was an easy thing for Terah to settle in Haran. You see, he worshipped false gods. In fact, his, name, his very name, Terah, meant uh, moon. And the people in the area where they settled were pagan people. They, they worshipped false gods. So it was very easy and very comfortable for him to say, hey, you know what, these are my kin. Let's, let's stop here. Let's, let's uh, settle here. That was pretty status quo, I think. Uh, he was also getting up in his years and it's possible that maybe he was just tired of traveling. He was worn out. Uh, but it really, it, it doesn't matter what the reasons were. He came up short. He came up short of his goal, of his mission. Now, Abram sure could have done the same thing. It was a safe place to live. All of his relatives were there. The family had a lot of property. They had a lot of land. They had a lot of animals. It sure would have been easy to stay. In fact, fear could have kept Abraham from even recognizing God's call in his life. But he did hear God's call, and he did what courageous people do. He grabbed his stuff, and he got moving. Uh, Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, courage says, grab your stuff and let's go. Grab your stuff and let's go. Leave your country, your people. How would you respond if God spoke this to you? I think we've had... Young people who God has said go to another place and they have gone to another place. Not, not permanently, but in many ways temporarily. We've seen missionaries give up everything, sell everything and move to a foreign country permanently to, because, because God called them to do that. Maybe your response would be, why? Why, God? Why should I do this? Why, why do you want me to go here? I'm willing to go here, but you got to give me a good reason. I mean, it, it would take some faith and courage, wouldn't it, to just pack up and go. Abram left, verse 4 says, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He's not a spring chicken. He grabbed his stuff and he went. And here's the crazy thing. He didn't even know what the destination was. God just said, this is the direction I want you to go. And when you get there, 
I'll tell you. Kind of like the coach, right? How long do you want us to run? Well, run until I get tired or I tell you when to stop, right? I mean, that's almost the way it was with God. Just go and I'll tell you when you get there. What faith that took. I mean, maybe you're saying to yourself, and I know some of you are, God, just point me in the right direction and I'll go. You know, it's like, it's like God, I, give me an arrow, right? When I wake up in the morning... There's that commercial, right, with the green line. That, that would be perfect, Lord. Um, when I walk out of the house, if you could just, you know, have this compass and this arrow which tells me which direction to go. And, and I would l- gladly go that way. Why doesn't God do that? Why, do, why don't you get, because I think he could, why don't you get a letter in the mail that, that says, hey, Tom, I want you to pack up everything with your, with your wife, Julie, and I want you to go east and I'll tell you when to stop. And then you have a flat tire just outside of town, and you're like, okay, Lord, is this it? Stop here, right? I mean, people ask me often, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? I ask myself that question sometimes. God, what is it? Well, I'm, I'm wrestling with this, or I'm wrestling with that, or I'm unsure of this. How, how do I know what to do? And, and here's the answer I most often give people. It's this. Pray, listen, Wait and act. But what if I choose the wrong thing? You know what? If you choose the wrong thing, God's going to straighten you out. But, but he can't steer a parked car. Right? We have a pickup that does not have power steering. I'm the only one that really drives it. You, you can't drink your coffee and drive this pickup at the same time. It, and you for sure can't turn the wheel when you're sitting still. You have to be moving. Pray, listen, wait, and act. Bottom line is this. I believe the direction God wants all of us to head is in the direction of courageous faith. Have courage. Have courage. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you're doing those two things, now, this is, this is totally and completely my opinion. If you do those two things, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I don't care what you're doing in life. You're within the will of God. Do I think he has specific things for certain people in specific times? Absolutely, yes. I do. I do. But it takes courage, even in our culture today, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So what do you say? Let's courageously follow God's promise into the unknown. Number two, the courageous follow God's power against the impossible. As courageous followers of Jesus Christ, we can trust God's power against the impossible. Impossible to survive a burning furnace? Yes. Impossible to survive hungry lions? And after he was taken out and all the other people were thrown in, we know that they were hungry. Abram was, Abraham was passing through a land that was already inhabited, right? Um, and because it happened a long time ago, we know that the promised land where he was headed was also inhabited. In fact, it was inhabited by a people that, wasn't just, that weren't just going to say, sure, we'll move on, you can have the land, right? That isn't the case. In fact, it was inhabited by the Canaanites. And 
and it looked to them like it was going to be impossible. Holy smokes. My notes just jumped into last week's sermon. Okay. Abraham's courage didn't make it down to the generation that Moses led out of Egypt, did it? They got to the Jordan River, right? They sent in spies to check out the land. I I would presume to make a plan, okay? Where are we going to cross the river? What what city are we going to attack first? Because God said we're to go in and inhabit this land. And what happened? They come back and 10 out of the 12 spies said, Forget it, ain't no way we can do this. No, no. We cast our vote for for doing something different, not what God wants us to do. And there were two, Caleb and Joshua, who said, yes, God said that that he's going to deliver this to us. We should go. They were men of courage. What happened? What did Israel do for the next 40 years? They wandered around in the desert, right? Until that unbelieving, I don't want to say spineless, but, but a, a, that generation of people that lacked courage were dead. And then God's like, okay, now. It's almost like, okay, take two, right? Let's try this again. This time they came to the Jordan River and what did they do? They went in. They had faith. They had courage. You see, fear says that it can't be done. Fear says it can't be done. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were, they were men of great courage. And In fact, the Bible is full of men and women in difficult situations who chose courage and who didn't choose courage. Gideon, Joshua, Esther, who we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks, Ruth, the disciples, they trusted God and what happened? Amazing things. Cain, can't be done. What happened? Killed his brother. Israel, can't be done. What happened? Wander in the desert for 40 years. Judas, don't believe it. Fear and selfishness got in the way. That didn't turn out so well. Now, you may be tempted to just throw up your hands and make statements like, I don't know the Bible good enough, or, or I'm really not that close to God, or I haven't been a Christ follower for very long. I just... I just don't know how. That's fear talking. It is. That's the enemy saying, ah, you don't want any part of this. You might be called to, to be ridiculed in public for what you believe. You might be called to give your life. What greater thing to give your life for, oh, seriously, than the God of the universe? You see, courage says with God, the battle is already won. It doesn't matter if I live or die. I have hope because I'm in Christ. And Paul said what? To live, to die is gain. To die is gain. Now, I'm not standing up here saying I want to die tomorrow. There's a pastor in Russia right now that I read about this morning with this new law that they just slipped in through an anti-terrorism law who's not going to be able to preach openly anymore. Now, he has a, he has a decision to make. And, 
And, and he's in one of those crossroads. It's like, Lord, is this, a, is this a closed door? Do you want me to move on to another country? Do you want me to stay here? I think it would be courageous if he did either. But he could be, he could be jailed if he continues to do what he's done for the last couple decades. He's 55 years old. Whatever he does, it will take courage. But with God, the battle is already won. Look at verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar here to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is great. Abraham worshipped. He's on the journey He's not to his destination yet, but as he's going there, he worshiped. We're all on a journey. We're not to the destina- our destination yet, but as we go, let's worship. Let's worship. Parents, don't forget to teach your children how to worship. Even in the, in the midst of times that we don't understand, we can worship. Even when there is pain and heartache involved, we can worship. Because God has won the battle. And even in the midst of those tough times, we can worship. Even when God isn't providing the results that we thought he would or that we want him to, we can worship. And even when we aren't immediately experiencing the promises that he made to us, that we heard him say we can still worship look at hebrews eleven thirteen up here on the screen all these people were still living by faith when they died they did not receive the things promised they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth you see all of those promises that god made abraham abraham didn't get to see them they happened later Abraham was, and, and his wife, Sarah, were giving birth to this movement that God was making in the world. And, and God had made the promises, and God fulfilled the promises, but Abraham didn't get to see it. I think there's those times in our lives when we're just like, I just don't understand this. I, I think it's sometimes in those times where we think, you know what, I'm just that bit of watering, or that planting of the seed in the scheme of life that God is working out. And I'm just, I'm on the journey. And, and it's an adventure. Um, so, so God made promises to Abraham. Did they happen? Yeah. God said that his descendants were, be, were going to become as numerous as the sand and that the nation of Israel was going to be given this promised land. But Abraham didn't see any of that. You see, we can trust that God's promises will be fulfilled even when we don't see them right before our eyes. And I say, let's courageously follow God's promises into the unknown and let's courageously follow God's power against the impossible. Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at men and women in the Bible and a few men and women that we know personally who have experienced courage And have lived this way. And I say let's follow their example. Because, number three, the courageous follow God's plan for the future. Now, notice that says God's plan for the future. Not David's plan for the future. Or Tom's plan. Or Caleb's plan. God's plan for the future. 
Now, there will be times in our life when the signs on that roadway of life are warning, are warning us about things. And sometimes, I don't think those warnings are from God. I think they're an attempt to derail us in heading in the direction that God wants us to go. Um, and they're, they're intended to make us fearful and to distract us. There were two old friends um, that got together one day. They'd, they hadn't seen each other in a long time. One attended college and now is very successful, and the other had not attended college and never really had much ambition in life. Um, the successful one said, how's everything been going with you? Um, well, one day I opened the Bible at random and dropped my finger on a word, and it was oil. So I invested in oil, and boy, did the oil wells gush, the other man said. Then another day I dropped my finger on another word, and, and it was gold, so I invested in gold. And those mines really produced. Now I'm as rich as Rockefeller. Have you ever done this? Have you ever wanted a word from the Lord and you just opened your Bible out on the table and you put your finger on there and you're like, okay, that's going to be my word for the day? So this successful friend was so impressed with this non-ambitious, really successful, wealthy friend of his that he rushed back to the hotel. He grabbed the Gideon Bible out of the thing. He flipped it open and he dropped his finger on the page. And do you know what it read? Chapter 11. (laughs) Not a way to get good wisdom. It's just not. There are some things that we can run into in our everyday life, and sometimes that's where the wrestling begins. God, is this a, is this a closed door? I mean, I, some of you, you, I know your struggle. Is this a closed door? Do, do I try to continue to push and see if God's going to open it? Is it, is it, is it Satan that's, that's opposing me in this particular situation? Again, what do I think you should do? I think you should pray. I think you should pray. I think you should wait. Oh, man, you're right, Tom. Waiting is so hard, isn't it? Especially in our culture today. Because we got instant everything, right? We don't even have to be home to watch TV anymore. Um, we, we, was it just last Sunday we golfed? Or was that two weeks ago? <sighs> Who knows? Anyway, when, when all the men were golfing, the Broncos were playing, right? So my team, we watched the last five minutes of the game on the golf course on my phone. It was great. Instant whatever, Right? You want pizza for lunch? Let me grab my phone. I can order it. It'll be ready by the time you get to Torrington. How many of you stop the microwave before it actually beeps, right? You push cancel because you can't wait that last five seconds or that last 10 seconds. That's us. We want it today. But sometimes we just need to wait. We need to pray. We need to listen. We need to wait. And then we need to act. Then we need to act. Now, God's promises to Abraham, most were future tense. I mean, these were, not, these were long-term marathon-type promises that God made. You're going to have a son. Well, at the, if, if they conceived immediately, it was going to be at least nine months, right? And we know it was years. I mean, they're getting old, old, and they're thinking, well, this is impossible. Fear starts to set in. They... They take control of it, right, on their own, and they really, really make a mistake. But does God just say, well, forget it, I'm not going to do it? No. No, God, they, God writes the ship, they conceive, they give birth to Isaac. 
And, and then what happens, right? How long before they're going to have grandchildren? I mean, we're talking, right, um, we're talking him being the father of nations is a title that's a long way off. And the, the Negev was also, where they ended up, was not a very easy place to live. It was suitable for herding, but not so good for farming. I mean, fear would have said, this is ridiculous, right? Why would you want to live in a place that, that doesn't get very much rain and, and it's hot, hot, hot a lot of the summer and, and the wind blows all the time? Right? It's not like you have to live in Wyoming. Move somewhere else. Well, my daddy moved here, and, or my daddy lived here, and my grandfather lived here, and his daddy moved here. Came over on a wooden ship. That had to be easy. But so, so why would you stay here when there's better places to live? I think because this, in, in many ways, because this is where God has placed you at this time. Should you move? Maybe. But not because you want to, you know, live in a more mild climate. That would be my wife's choice. She would say, oh, she hates the cold. I mean, I want to go snowmobiling. and I want to go skiing, Bobby, doing it by myself. I'd love to go on an Alaskan cruise. Nope, got to be Caribbean. <laughs> right? So, so if we were to ever move someplace, it would definitely, well, someplace other than a mild climate, it would definitely have to be a call of God on our life. Because if we went the easy, comfortable route, we would pick, I don't even know, really. Where would you pick? You said Hawaii? Hawaii, okay. I'll start praying about that. (laughs) I'm sure there's a church in Hawaii that needs a pastor, right? God's promises to Abraham were future tense, and oftentimes that's the case. We don't see all of the promises that God makes to us in Scripture today. But does that mean we just kind of settle in and we don't live a life of faith and courage? No. We live a courageous life. And we, we live that before our children so that they too can live a courageous life. You know, if we courageously follow God's plan for the future, it, it doesn't really matter um, that it's about me. Because that's kind of what fear does, right? It's, it's about me and it's about now. Our culture is all about that. It's about me and it's about now. Let's live the opposite because courage, fear says that, it's about me and it's about now. Courage says it's about God and he holds the future. You see, like Daniel and, and, and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, it doesn't matter how how stacked the deck looks against you. If you're living courageously for God, it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. A lot of people say, well, that, you don't have faith then if, if that's the case. Well, let's think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they say to the king? They said, look, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to worship the idol. You can throw us in a fiery furnace if you want. God can save us. 
they didn't stop there. They said, but if he doesn't, which is a possibility, he's still the one and only God, the one that should be worshipped by us, and we're going to courageously live for him. And in that case, God, I, God saved them in a miraculous way. Hebrews 11, 8 and 10, and then verse 13 says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. It, by faith, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That city he's talking about there is, is heaven. It's the, it's the future kingdom. And in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. We almost have to see it to believe it in our culture, eh? Now, moms and dads especially, but this applies to all of us, of course, the biggest gift that any of us can give to our children, to our neighbors, to our friends at school, it's courageous faith. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ. Being an example to them of what it means to follow God's promises into into the unknown. I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do here. But what I do know is I've put my hope in him and he's... He's proven himself faithful for eternity, really. I mean, it doesn't matter if we think of 50 years or 100 years or 1,000 years or 10,000 years. God has always come through with what he's promised. And here's my, here's my hope in this series. Because honestly, in America, we don't really have to fear for death for what we believe. In fact, sometimes I think our faith would be a bit stronger if we did. But we don't. And I thank God for that. But, but may, we see, may we see that fear doesn't have to be the only option when we're faced with troubles and things that are in front of us and obstacles. I, I, I want us to see that, that we can take a step in the direction of faith a step that may cost us our friends. A step that may cost us our job. A step that may cost us status. I mean, it could cost us a lot. But what it gains us is access to the fulfilled promises of God and an incredible perspective that we wouldn't have had otherwise. In this movie, Courageous, there's a... a a guy who, who kind of stumbles into a construction job. He and his wife are wondering how they're going to pay the bills. And he's sort of, I think he's like the comedic relief in the movie because there's this one part where he's in the back of a, a police car pretending to be in a gang, right? I mean, I just almost laugh out loud every day when I think about that scene. The Snake Kings. Um, <clears throat> you got to watch the movie. Go to Walmart, scrounge around in the, you know, the cheap movies and see if you can have better luck than I did when I went there two weeks ago. <laughs> Shopco had copies. Um, anyway, he, 
he gets this job, and uh, he's doing really well, and the, the manager brings him in and says, hey, we, we've, we're considering you for a promotion, but, but, but we, we need to know what your answer to this particular question is. And, and uh, the question was, um, you see, we have a load of, of, of thread coming in, and there's going to be like 10 containers, and, and, but, but we want you to only write down you know, eight containers because we have a special purpose for the other two. And, and, and he, he really desperately needs to continue to have this job. And so he's got a, 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 a decision to make. Is he going to be courageous in his faith no matter what the consequences is, are? Or is he going to kind of do what he thinks the boss wants him to do? And he's like, well, uh, you know, and the boss says, well, I'll give you till tomorrow to think about it. He goes home, he talks about it with his wife. And, and they're both praying about it, and they're both really afraid of what's going to happen. And, and uh, so he goes to work the next day, and he goes in, and there's the, 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 the owner and the co-owner, whatever, and they're like, so what's your decision? And he's like, I couldn't do it. You know, he said, that would be lying, and that wouldn't be truthful, and, and I couldn't do that. And, and then he starts, you know, saying, yeah, yeah, I know, I'm not going to get the job. And the guy was like, you know, Finally, he's, he's like, you were, we were starting to give up hope. You were the ninth person we asked this to. We needed a man of integrity. And so, of course, in the movie, he gets to keep his job, right? Because he, he made it. Now, he could have been just as well. It could have been fired. But again, courageous faith does not think about the consequences. It thinks about what is God calling me to right now and, and, and where I'm headed and, and doing that, following that. May we see that fear doesn't have to be the option. Now, Michelle, where are you? Michelle Ogburn, I called. The Ogburn family have been, have been really, I mean, God has really tested their faith. And uh, I think M- Michelle's, um, well, process. I, come on up here, Michelle. Sent her a text message actually, and I'm like, "Hey, would you be willing to do this?" And she was like, "Yeah." I'm like, really? Sweet. So Michelle's just gonna share their story as it pertains to courageous faith. It worked before. Oh, would you have to do some switching back there? There we go. Okay, I typed it all out because honestly, standing up in front of all of you is not very easy. So I'm going to read this. Um, And I'm going to try my best not to cry. Probably won't happen though. (laughs) So 2016 has been a year of God pushing me and my family to grow and stretch in our faith. And it has not been easy. Um, Due to the downturn in the economy, my family has experienced some financial challenges. In February, I found out due to budget cuts, my full-time position was being reduced to part-time. This was a tough financial blow for our household. Then a few weeks later, my husband, who's been with the railroad for close to 20 years, found out he couldn't hold his job anymore, and he was moved to the Ready Reserve Board. So needless to say, the tears and the hopelessness was pretty heavy in our hearts. 
My husband and I took a very close inventory of our lives, and I knew exactly what I needed to do. I hit my knees, and I started praying. I kept praying for the Lord to show me where he wanted me. I prayed for God to guide us and to help us provide for our children. We even prayed about our bills and did our very best to hear what God was saying to us. I sat in church many times in tears, and I tried to let God have all the control. When we had an altar call, I actually came forward, which I have never done. And I prayed for a job and to go where God was leading me. This was very difficult for me. I'm a mental health therapist. I help other people. I pray for other people. So getting up in front of an entire church and being vulnerable and sharing my problems with someone is way out of my comfort zone. But I did it because I knew I had to follow God's will in everything, including when he called me to the altar. I applied to any position I was qualified for. I had interview after interview. I actually was told I had a position, and before I could start my employment, the governor cut the state budget, and the offer was rescinded. I interviewed eight times over three months for one position, and that job never happened. Still through it all, I kept praying and trusting the Lord to put me where he needed me to be. Finally, finally, seven months later, the day we had to make a decision about pulling our son out of Valley Christian School, I received a full-time job offer, and it has ended up being the perfect fit. Through all of this, I found peace and joy through God when I fully trusted him, even when there were times I had no idea how I was going to buy milk for the kids. I found that he provided for us. Every single time, it was scary to face the unknown, but I felt peace when I did trust God and gave everything to him. Not only did my relationship with God grow, but I grew in numerous other ways. A very wise woman who is here today told me my job search was not about the skills I have or if I was good enough for the job. It was about where God wanted to use me. So I learned when I trust God and follow his plan, I get to exactly where I need to be. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) Scary to stand up here, but man, you did it. Any of you could do it, right? Stand up here and talk about how God has been faithful. Seven months. I, I, I can't even honestly imagine being seven months without work and uh, wondering. It's that wait part, right? But was it worth the wait? Yeah. I mean, to hear you talk about how you just really feel like you're in the perfect spot, right where God wants you. So let's courageously pray, listen, wait, and then act. If the worship team wants to come up here, we'll... uh, close our service with communion. The disciples had to wait. They thought it was all over. Jesus was dead. They didn't know. You talk about unknown. Even though Jesus had told them what was going to happen. Before Jesus died, he sat around a table with the disciples and he said, look guys, I want to repurpose this meal, this this bread, this represents my body, which is going to be broken for you. And he took it, he passed it around, and they all tore off a piece. And Jesus 
prayed for it, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And later, we're, we're told that we're to do this often until Jesus' return, and so that's what we do this morning. If you're a Christ follower here with us this morning, take a piece of bread, and, and as you partake, celebrate the fact that you are loved beyond compare, that Jesus sacrificed his life for you, that you might one day, today, be in his loving care, and ultimately one day in his presence, face to face for the rest of eternity, eternal life. And then Jesus took the cup, and he said, guys, this cup represents, you know, I know what it represented before, but this cup represents my blood shed for you. Not a pint. It's not like giving plasma or blood. No, Jesus shed it all. He shed this for you and for me, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our Savior, that this blood covers over all of our sin, past, present, future. And Jesus takes that upon himself and and has borne the pain and the agony and the consequence of that. And so we celebrate this morning that we can be courageous in our faith because we've been saved. We We know the end. We know the end of this story. And honestly, it doesn't matter if I live the rest of today or this year or another decade or two or three. If I courageously live that with faith, I will have no regrets. None. So as we partake of communion this morning, as we celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, let's also celebrate and worship the fact that he gives us the very potential to be courageous in the journey that we're on today. We're just going to pass the bread and the cup this morning. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this representation. You knew that just like the Israelites, we, we, we forget easily, we fall into bad habits, we become complacent, we become fearful. You knew that we'd need to be reminded of what you did. And we celebrate that this morning. We thank you for sacrificing your life for us for giving us purpose, for giving us strength in life and courage. In Jesus' name, amen.